what's going on. Um, but let's pray right now. Uh, let's ask God's favor just to be with us in the name. pick up where we started just a couple weeks ago. Uh, phenomenal service we had last week, but we did not have Sunday school. Uh, but again, we, we value Sunday school here. We believe that there is a purpose for it. There is a reason for it. And we want to grow in the word of God and bring out just some insights that just, it will help us in our, li in our daily lives. And so uh, we've been talking about the promises and the blessings of God. And we're going to continue to do that. Uh, and we're going to go to Genesis chapter 25. Again, Genesis 25. And uh, today's topic is going to be cherishing uh, God's blessings. We want to cherish God's blessings. Amen. Anybody want to be blessed by God? God, he requires us to be good stewards of those blessings. Why would God want to bless you with something that you're just going to mess up anyways? And so... Let's talk about that a little bit today. Genesis 25, uh, we're going to be reading uh, verses 24 through 34, and then we're going to go to Genesis 27, uh, and we're going to read about 14, 13, 14 verses. Familiar story. Let's read. And when, the, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother, the twin brother, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old. He was 60 years old when she bare them. And the boys, they grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling tents and Isaac he loved Esau because he did eat of his venison but Rebekah loved Jacob and Jacob he sawed pottage and Esau he came from the field and he was faint he was tired and Esau said to Jacob feed me I pray thee with that same red pottage for I am faint therefore was his name called Edom and Jacob said 
sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. What shall, or what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. If we can go a couple chapters over, Genesis 27, verse 15. We're going to fast forward to where this birthright is actually given. It says, and Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and bread, which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. Lying, ain't he? <laughs> he says, I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, how is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? Didn't make sense to him. And he said, because the Lord, he go lying again. Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob, he went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands are of the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy. That's his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. He came near, kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore, God, give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine that people serve thee and nations bow down to thee be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's son bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. We find that Jacob disguised himself, stole his brother's blessing. Again, we're going to talk about cherishing God's blessings. Have you ever heard that phrase that one man's trash? is another man's treasure. It is that phrase that I think of today when I read this story. Uh, what was despised, what was not thought very valuable of one man, to another man it was, it was treasured to be found 
we find that in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament days, uh, that the firstborn child, or should I say the firstborn son of a family, he was given a birthright. And so we find that Jacob, he has, I'm sorry, that Isaac has two sons, one named Esau and one named Jacob. They were twin boys. And understand that, you know, it's, you, you usually do not have twins. But because of this situation of twins, the first one that comes out the womb is going to receive the birthright of the father. And so the Bible says that it was Esau, a man that was covered with hair. He was red hair that his body was covered with. Of the two, he was born first. And so therefore, the birthright, when his father would die, the birthright would belong to Esau. And so the importance of the birthright is that when the father had died, you would assume the father's authority. You would assume his responsibilities. You would, you would take over all of his possessions after everything was inherited. Yes, he would bless the other children, but you would get a double portion of the blessing. You would get more than all the other children. And so the, the, the birthright was something that you would think would have been coveted by all of the children. And so Esau, he grew up and he knew that his brother was going to get this birthright. He knew that when his father had passed away, that his older brother Esau was going to get double what he got and that he would be responsible for the family, uh, also playing the role of the priest of his family. And so we have that Jacob, when he was coming out the womb, that he grabbed onto his brother's heel. And so his name Jacob, it means heel grabber. I mean, it was almost as if he was fighting for the birthright from the very moment that he was brought into this world. And so, obviously, Jacob, he wanted this birthright. And as soon as the opportunity presented itself, Jacob, he began to bargain for his brother's birthright. I believe it was something that he thought about often. How can I get my brother's birthright? How can I be inherited more than anyone else and obtain the family's name? And so we find in this story that one day that Esau is out hunting. Uh, the Bible says that he was a hunter. He was a man of the field. And obviously he was hungry. And so as he comes back, the Bible says that that he is hungry. He is starving. He, he, he says that he is a about to die, and Jacob, he seizes this moment to bargain for the birthright. Obviously, he knew his brother's characteristics. He knew because of what Esau was experiencing at the time that this might be the perfect opportunity for me to get a birthright. He said, when people are hungry, they give up anything. Come on, how you act when you hungry? I know ain't none of y'all been fasting before. Listen, I'd have gave up on a couple fasts. I mean, I'd have been on my knees crying, Lord, I love you. Stomach get to growling, y'all. Don't tell on me, but I had to go to the refrigerator. Lord, forgive me. But Esau was starving. He said, I'm about to die. Birthright don't mean nothing to me. 
matter of fact, Genesis 25, 32, and it says, and, and Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright be to me? This birthright ain't no good to me if I'm getting ready to die. I mean, this, this makes me think and wonder how many days, had it even been days since Esau had eaten? I can't imagine being that hungry to think that I'm at the point of death. Had he been out in the field hunting for that long? But himself, he says, so hungry, it seems that I am about to die. And I don't know if they shook hands, but they agreed. And Esau says, if you give me that pottage, if you give me that pot of lentils that you are cooking right now, says, I'll give you my birthright. And Jacob, he makes sure to seize the moment. And I don't believe that Esau in that, in that particular moment thought anything of it. Uh, but we find later on that Jacob, he steals the birthright. But if I can say this, Jacob was not the problem. Because the birthright belonged to Esau, and the only way that Esau would lose the birthright was he had to do give it up himself, if I can say it that way. See, Genesis 25 and 34, it's a sad verse, but it says that Esau, he despised. He despised his birthright. He didn't think highly of it. He didn't value it. He made it of less value than the other things in his life. <laughs> and there was something in Esau's life that was more important than the birthright. What was it? See, because of other things that were going on in his life, he placed an importance on something else. And for that reason, he was willing to give up his birthright. I want to prove it to you. Genesis 25 and 27. Look what it says about these boys. It says, and the boys, they grew. And Esau was a cunning, he was skillful. He was a cunning hunter. I mean, if anybody can hunt, oh, it was Esau. I believe, Pastor, that he had given all of his time, all of his energy into becoming this mighty warrior. This hunter that would go out and kill venison that his dad liked to eat. He would kill deer and different animals. Bible says again at the end of 27, says that he was a man of the field. Lived in the field. <laughs> it says, but Jacob. Bible calls him plain. No characteristics about him. He was just plain, a man of the ten. And I just happened to look up that word plain. And every other time in the Bible that that word plain is mentioned, many times it's found in the book of Job, when it's speaking of Job being a perfect man. And I don't want to say that he was perfect because he was a man that was lying, but 
what I'm saying was, I, I don't believe that he put too many things before God, if I can say it that way. Yeah, he stayed in the tent. He knew about the birthright. He knew about his father, Abraham, his grandfather, Abraham, how God had called him out of a land. He knew about Isaac. He understand the importance in what God was calling his family to do. But Esau, he was a cunning hunter. And in Genesis 25 and 29, the Bible says, And, and Jacob he sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. What was more important to Esau than his birthright? The Bible says it. It was the field. He was a cunning hunter. The thing that caused him to give up his birthright was the field. Because he spent so much time in the field, we find that he was faint and willing to give up his birthright. Because he was such an awesome hunter, he spent all of his time hunting, if I can say it this way, not giving any time to the kingdom of God. And because he had given all his time to the field, when his brother began to bargain for the birthright, he said, listen, this is not working. I spent my time in the field. I feel as I'm getting ready to die. Say, Jacob, take my birthright. If I could say this, his gift from God, hunting, caused him to lose his promise from God, the birthright. Come on, I'd like to ask somebody here today. Is your gift from God stopping you from receiving the promises of God? Yes, God, he has blessed you to be intellectual and to work well with your hands. He has given you a skill, a job that is bringing income to your family. But I ask you, is that skill, is your job keeping you from the promise of God? Uh, is that job keeping you from church? Is that skill keeping you from participating in the kingdom of God? Uh, you won't witness to anybody because it's going to ruin your repetition at your repetition, reputation at your job. You don't want to lose friends, and so you won't speak the Bible. You won't speak the word of God. See, Esau, because he was so caught up in the skill that God gave him, he lost the promise that God had for his life. He didn't know that for many years, thousands and thousands of years, that when people would call upon the God of heaven, that they would say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But God didn't mean for it to happen that way. It should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Uh, but because he was focused on the field, because he was focused on the skill that God had gave him, we now call upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, uh, but it should have been Esau. It should have been Esau. But he was so worried. Uh, he was so engulfed. He was blinded by the things of this world. Not able to look upon into the kingdom. Uh, his gift from God. It caused him to lose his promise from God. Uh, see, we must come to a point where we refuse to, res to surrender our birthright. See, when God baptized us with water, when he baptized us in the spirit, 
I could say it with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's how I wanted to be baptized. When God did this, he gave us a birthright. Everyone in here who is a child of God and you've been baptized by the Spirit, there is a birthright. There are promises and there are blessings that God has for your life. And the only person that can take them away from you is somebody point to you. Say, is me. Come on, the devil can't take your blessings. The devil can't take your birthright. The only person who can mess up your birthright is you, Pastor. I can't mess it up. Your enemies can't mess it up. They might have talked about you. They might have done you wrong. But the only way that you can lose your birthright is if you cave in to what somebody else has done into you and you act in a way that you're not supposed to. Uh, this is the reason why the Bible says when the apostles, they ask, how often shall I forgive my brother? The Lord says 70 times 70. Uh, I was reading that son, my family, we were reading it in a devotional here, period. Uh, a, a, a devotional here, uh, I think that was last week. And my son Jadavis, he said 70 times 70. He said, Dad, that's 140 times. And I had to tell him, you got to forgive more than that. See, God, he, he met that. That saying as a saying to mean, hey, you forgive them an unlimited number of times. See, we can go around and Brother Mark Brown, he preached this a little bit on Sunday. But unforgiveness, oh, it'll cause you to lose your birthright. When you won't forgive anybody. Come on, when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus said, forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who have debted against us. What was he saying? That you don't receive forgiveness of your sins unless you forgive those who have sinned against you. You have to reciprocate what you want God to do for you. That's what the Bible says. You, you can't lose your birthright by the hands of another individual. Again, we must refuse to surrender our birthright. Proverbs 23, 23, it says, buy the king, hey, sell it not. Also wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Our birthright, us being filled with the spirit of God, it's like a treasure. And the Bible says to buy it, hey, never sell it. There's no value. Nothing on the face of this planet worth what God wants to do in your life. Uh, when the devil, when Satan tempted Jesus, he told him, just bow down and worship me and I, I'll give you it all. Jesus said, oh, no, it ain't worth it. <laughs> he says, everything in this world, it, it's, it's not worth it. So we look at Esau. It's a sad story, Refuge. That he loses his birthright for a moment of temptation. A moment of satisfying his flesh. But the question is, how did he get to this place? Was it his own doing? Or did someone participate unconsciously in allowing him to develop this state of mind where he did not care about his birthright? See, what we have to understand is that every person, yes, we are responsible for our own actions. 
But I wonder if being part of a dysfunctional family causes us to act the way we act. Yeah, there are some things that have happened to us in life. And whether you murder somebody or you cause some harm thing to come upon somebody, listen, when the judge sentenced you to prison, you can't say, well, I grew up in a bad home. You can't say, well, this happened in my life, and so it caused me to do this. You are responsible for that action. But I want to talk to some parents in this place right now because he was part of a dysfunctional family. Uh, he was part of a foundation where I don't know if the parents properly prepared a home uh, that would cause him to live a life that was focused on God because he was a man that just lived and he loved the field. See, the Bible, it says that Esau was his dad's favorite, and I believe he knew he was his dad's favorite. I believe that he was even willing to give up his birthright because he knew that the birthright, it came by his father laying hands on him. And because he was his father's favorite, he just knew, oh, dad ain't never going to lay hands on me. I'm the favorite boy. But he didn't understand the concept of deception, daddy. He didn't know that he could be deceived out of his birthright. And that's exactly what happened. See, he was his dad's favorite and Jacob was his mom's favorite. And whether you believe this or not, this will cause a tearing, a separation, a division to happen within your household when kids find out that their brother or their sister is favorite. It, it will cause them to not like their brothers and their sisters. Then they have to prove why they are better, not understanding that God has created you in a way and God has no respect of person. God, he has no favorites, but he has blessed you. And there is a blessing and there is a promise for you. But there was a foundation in the house that I believe that caused Esau to begin to think like this. See, even Jacob, he knew mama was on his side. <laughs> he stayed in the tent, helped mom cook all the time. I'm not going to lie, I see that in my household. We got a kid that loves to cook and they want to be just like Esau. And I say, hold up now. Lord, help me show a folks. See, I don't like to cook, so I'm naturally outside. You know, so anytime I want to show my son how to cook, I, hey, grab that package of noodles. Let me show you something. <sighs> Dig it. Throw a little salt off in there. See, that, that's how I got to show my love to the one that likes to cook. But we have to be aware of our children. We have to be aware of the gifts that God has placed in their life and give them all equal attention. Give them all equal love. And so we have to be aware of that. And I don't believe that between Jacob and Esau that they received equal love both from mom and dad. And so when that time was come, see, it was, it was well known. Esau received a commandment from his dad. He says, I want you to go to the field and do what you're real good at. Go get me some venison. Go find me an animal. Kill it so I can give you the blessing. Now, what, what do you think Jacob man was thinking? Get the blessing. When, when mom heard this, Esau had left into the field. Mom said to Jacob, you ain't hairy like Esau. But we're going to put some of Esau's clothes on. Hey, I want you to go get one of those kid goats. 
We're going to kill it. And then we're going to put some of that fur, cover your hands up. Because she knew and she understood. At that time, the Bible says that Isaac, his eyes were dim. He couldn't hardly see. And she knew that Jacob, I mean Isaac, would use all of his other senses to make sure that that was Esau. And so they killed this goat, dressed up Jacob so he would look like and feel like Esau. And Jacob, he goes to his father. And he says, Dad, I went out. Now, listen, the Bible says you sound like Jacob. Now, now me, like did he go with his regular voice? You, you know, I would have tried to sound like, he, hey, Dad. You know, I just thought he had a deep voice. Hey, Dad, I, I got the venison. He said, well, you sound like Jacob. <laughs> but he went to the, as his brother was to the field, mom had prepared the goat. And Isaac, he said, you, you, you sound like Jacob. Come here. And he felt him, and he said, but you feel like Esau. Oh, and the food, it smells so good. How did you find that animal? How did you hunt him down so quick? See, everything about this situation didn't seem right. He didn't sound like Esau. Isaac had been hunting, Jacob had, I mean, Esau had been hunting all these years. They knew how long it took to find an animal. He said, you found it quick. He lied and said, the Lord has provided. And he gave to him and he drank and he was blessed. And then he gave him a mighty, mighty blessing that he meant to give to Esau. And the rest is history. But Esau, he comes back in Genesis 27 and 38. It's sad news for him. He realizes that Jacob has received the blessing. And because he knows that the blessing is his, it can't be reversed. It says, and Esau said unto his father, you only had one blessing. Brother got you, though. He says, hast thou one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, O my father. And when Esau realized that Jacob had received everything, the Bible said Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. See, it wasn't until after he lost the blessing that he realized what was actually taken from him. It ain't until we mess up <laughs> that we realize what we've gotten ourselves into. Now, I will say this. He did have a small blessing for him. Nothing like what he had planned. But he got the blessing that Jacob was going to get. And I would, I would like to even point out. We find that years later, because Jacob, he ran from Esau. He was a skillful hunter. Esau wanted to kill him at that time. So Jacob, he goes on the run, and he disappears for 20 years. And there's a point where he wants to come back home, and his dad is getting ready to pass away. And 
Bible says that he he sends gifts and he sends presents and he is brother Esau because of what he still speaks from the unfaithful. And as he sends these servants, they come back with the word and says that Esau's coming. And he has an army of 400 men. And I said, Esau, blessed. I'll take that blessing, you know, 400 men. Now, now Jacob, to show his appreciation and his repentance to his brother, this is what he sent unto Esau, 220 goats, 20 rams, 30 camels, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 30 donkeys. I mean, this was excellent. And when it got to Esau, Esau came back and said, I don't want none of that. God bless you. I mean, as small as Jacob's blessing was that he was supposed to get, I mean, Esau was still fine. He turned it down to the point Jacob begged him, just please receive it. And so he finally took it, but he initially turned it down. Although God had blessed him, his blessing was nothing like what God had wanted for his life. And I don't believe that we should settle for anything less than what God wants for our life. Yes, God blessed Esau, and Esau probably lived a good life. But what God had for him, he could have lived a better life. We have to, and I got to come to a close. I got a lot more to go. But we have to cherish our blessings, Refuge. We can't be like Esau and despise it and think less of it. It's just this or it's just that. But we must realize that like Esau, that once something is lost, that we can never regain it again. And I want to fast forward a little bit. I got four minutes. The New Testament, it uses this story for a principle that it wants to teach us. And I just want to read it, Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It says, get, get rid of every sin and everything that is not productive to your walk with Christ. Lay it aside. The reason uh, that this author is saying this is because at this time, the Hebrews, they are struggling to live for God. They're struggling. He says, get rid of all your sin. Not only that, and those things might have some friends, and they may not be the best for you. They, they may not cause you to sin, but there's a heaviness. There is some weariness. He said, lay aside every weight. And as you do this, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He's talking about enduring. He's despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured. Come on, they're, they're struggling. The author is speaking about enduring. Endurance. Hanging on. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. They were weary. They were faint already. Verse 5. And you have forgotten the encouragement, the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, 
God gives us, he whoops us and chastises us. He said, hey, when God whoop you, yeah, you'd have messed up. But when God, he whoop you, don't despise it. You need it because God is trying to get you back on that straight and narrow. He said, don't despise it nor faint when thou art rebuked. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastised, and he encouraged every son whom he received. He says, if you endure this chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father, and he chasteneth not? Hey, but if ye be without chastisement, whereof are all partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. He says, hey, if, the God, if God doesn't discipline you, you're not a bastard. He's going to discipline you when you mess up. But here's the key verse right here, verse 14 through 16. He's trying to get them in the right track. They're falling off. He says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Look ye diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat he sold his birthright. When the Christians in that day were getting ready to give up, he reminded them of the story of Esau. He says, y'all, y'all tired? Y'all weary? Y'all been doing this day after day, don't get tired. He said, because Esau felt this exact same way. And because his flesh was ready to cave in, he gave up his spiritual blessing. Our flesh can cause us to give up our spiritual blessing and we'll be like Esau where we feel that we're at the point to die. But the apostles, I thank God that they thought of Esau because when they were at the point to die, Sister Brown, they died. He said, I'm not giving up my promise. In history, it teaches us that the 12 apostles were not Christians. They didn't let their flesh, they didn't allow their flesh to give up their birthright. And I wonder how many people in this place this morning, you may be going through some things, some hard times, some temptation. But God is reminding you of the story of Esau. There is a blessing in your life that if you can just endure in this time, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God is saying, don't give up. Don't give up. But there's a promise for you. And don't let somebody else take your promise. Listen, God has a promise over your life. And I don't care what you've been through. Just endure. Until the end, we have to develop that state of mind where it says, hey, I'm willing to die for the Lord. I'm willing to die for the Lord because that is what's going to get you the promise. Esau wasn't going to die. His flesh told him he was going to die. He wasn't going to die. He could have made it another day. And I'm telling you, you can make it another day. We have to cherish the blessings of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you.
And we bless you again today. Father, we cannot comprehend what it even literally means that when your spirit comes, it lives inside of us. That God is living inside of us and that our bodies are temples of this living God. Father, that you have blessings for each and every person under the sound of my voice. God, you have blessed us. You have raised us up knowing the circumstances of our house. You've seen our dysfunctional families, God. You've seen, God, the abuse that have happened in our lives. God, you've seen the many of hundreds and thousands of women who have been molested and they have been raped, God. But yet there is a calling upon their lives, even men who have gone through the same thing. But, God, I thank you right now that all things work together. Oh, God, for the good to those who are called and those you love. I thank you so much right now, Lord. I pray that even right now, God, in the time of temptation, through a time of affliction, oh, God, that we would crucify our flesh. Oh, Father, I pray that we would not allow our flesh, God, to cause us to lose our birthright, but allow us to be so tapped in with the Spirit. God, allow us to be focused. I pray, Lord God, that as we come to church, as we pray, as we fast and read the Word of God, that you would center us and bring us back to the place of your presence. I ask you in the name of Jesus, strengthen us right now. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will not give up my birthright, God. I will not give in to the flesh, but my spirit man, God, I pray, my spirit man, guide me and lead me and allow me to endure this season in my life. Oh, God, we may weep tears. We may weep tears of sorrow, but joy, joy, it comes in the morning. And so I pray even that right now, God, that you would give us a resilient spirit, oh, God, that we can just keep on marching. God, that we can run this race with patience, God, that we will endure to the end so that we receive our blessing and the greatest blessing to spend eternal life with you. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you right now. Come on, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, praise him for your blessing right now. Amen. Amen. Let's remember that. We have to be mindful and we have to cherish the blessings of God. And the only one who can take that away from you is Jesus. We, we have to be mindful of that spirit, man, and not allow our flesh, as the Bible says, for one moment to slip away. Seems so small for one morsel of bread. Everything, whether it's a billion dollars, compared to eternity, is just one moment. It's just one moment of bread. Whatever you want in life, as great as it may be, it's just one moment compared to eternity. Let's hang on to our birthright. Let's do what God has called us to do. And let's leave this city blessed. God bless you all. As we get ready for worship, let's allow our minds to be filled with the things of God. And I believe as we do that, God will pour out his spirit and we'll have a service that we've never had before. Can we believe that today? God bless you all. Get you something to drink. Use the restroom and let's come back ready to worship.